You know, even in the scriptures, even in the scriptures themselves, the Bible, there are attempts to contextualize. And one of the, the best known stories uh, of, the, of the, the whole Christmas um, event is that from John's gospel. It's read in churches, chapels, cathedrals, the length and breadth of the land, the world over even. And it, it's not actually the Christmas story about the shepherds and Mary and the kings and all the rest of it. We're going to look at that next week. Of course we will. But it's, it's the opening verses of John's gospel. And John is trying to communicate to Gentile, that's non-Jewish believers or, or hearers, and Jewish. And, and we will look at that in just a moment. But let's read the text first and see what it says to us in the moment. John chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came so that to, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, for many of us, that is a familiar Christmas passage. But as I said, John was trying to contextualize. He was trying to do what the devisers of that social networking, he was trying to do that so his hearers could connect. And he had a flash of inspiration. Many of you are creative people. You know, I find that for me, I get my best ideas just as I'm waking up in the morning. I'm, no kidding. You know, I can have been wrestling with something all the previous day, trying to get a handle on something, something I'm presenting somewhere here or there or everywhere. And, and all of a sudden, as I'm coming around, suddenly there's little, like a, like a dew drop, a little, little bit of moisture, a little bit of rain drops into my thought process, and it's fresh, and it's new. And it's alive. And suddenly, John gets this idea about how he can best introduce his memoirs, his gospel here. And he uses, it all revolves on a play on words, really, about the word, word. Because to the Greek hearers, the word is logos. And the word logos is is used in colloquial language, but it has more than. It has added value. Logos, to the, to the, the Gentile, rather, the Gentile, the Greek eras, would have meant reason. 
the reason why things are what they are. Everything was created by reason, by the logos, this semi-divine word. It was a bit mysterious, a bit undefined, but they talked about the logos, the reason for things. And it was the reason for things seen and the reason for unseen things. So as I said, it has this kind of divine ring to it. But also, for his Jewish hearers, the word meant something significant. The word referred to the law. And the Jews regarded the law as divine. They said, colloquially, that the law had always been there, even before it was written out by Moses. It had been, as they put it, on the bosom of God, the heart of God, waiting to be spoken. It had divine implications. So there's the Greek, the Gentile hearers, who who resonate and connect with this idea of the word, the logos, having divine connotations. And then there's the Jewish hearers who also prick up their ears where they hear this word because they, have, they, they see it as part of the law and having divine uh, connotations. So John begins his gospel. In the beginning, a reference back to Genesis, in the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and everyone picks up their ears. But then he goes on to say, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That little expression, the word was with God, is very deliberate. It denotes separation from God, one being God, but a separate entity. And so what John is trying to do here is, is not just say that the word is a twinkle in the, in the eye of God or something on the mind of God, but actually that the word is divine, that the word is separate from God. In fact, to the Jewish hearers, it was an easier transition because in, in the book of Proverbs, there's much, there's like a hymn to wisdom and they personify wisdom and the word of truth there. So there's this heritage of seeing a personification of the word. So right from the moment that this thing begins, just as many of you who are into Facebook and Twitter and all these other things, the moment there was a social network Christmas, whether or not you like the video, you pricked up your ears because it's part of your life. Right at the beginning, he engages. He engages the hearers. And so there we have it. John is contextualizing this whole kind of... Uh, Logos word thing for his hearers, both Jew and Gentile. And then the, the thing that he really wants to communicate, and if, if, if there's anything you take away with you, take this away with you. An old truth, but let it become a fresh truth to you. That the word was made flesh. The word, this divine being through whom all things were created, this idea, this philosophical concept of the Greek, this, this law, this, this justice, this righteousness, according to the Jews, is personified and becomes a person. The word is made flesh. Isn't it ironic that we spent all this time trying to you know, engage with the word of God, engage with the story, contextualize, make something culturally relevant and all the rest of it, and yet God has beaten us to it because he has taken himself in his son Jesus Christ 
and he has become man. Born as a baby. He has become one of us. And he's born in a stable, not in a palace or in a lovely sort of bedroom, as in Mr. Bean's clip. He's born in that place so the very lowliest of us can identify with him. And that's deliberate. That's not bad planning. That's absolutely deliberate. When God became man, when he, when he moved among us, he became the lowliest of all, a servant of all, a savior of all. It's an extraordinary thing. I, I do hope that you'll take this passage away with you, these first few verses of, of John's gospel, and read them over this Christmas period and reflect upon them. There is poetry there, and you can roll it around your tongue and your, your thought as you, as you read it. But there's profound spiritual truth there. The word is made flesh, and we have seen his glory. Now, as you begin to unpack it and as you begin to see uh, what, what John is trying to get at, we, we begin to see that this word, this Christ, this Messiah, this baby, comes to us not just as the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist would have it, not just as a sacrifice for us, but our Savior, our, rec uh, our Rescuer. A Savior and a sacrifice, a sacrifice and a Savior. Thank you. And that's the extraordinary thing, that the judge of all is the Savior of all because he is the sacrifice for all. God himself intervenes. God himself rescues us by coming one with us and then dying the death for us that should be ours. We all risk, wrestle with aspects of sin, aspects of re regret, aspects of shame, aspects of, well, to be honest with you, our fallenness and our humanness. And these things cause us to recoil from God because we realize we're just human, we're not divine. We can't get up there. I'll never be good enough, etc., etc. But God has come to us. God comes as our savior, our rescuer, even as he does as this baby whom all can connect with. There are three main ideas that John wants to communicate in, in this gospel, and in this introduction, he kind of refers to it. The first, of course, is the word made flesh. The second is savior and sacrifice. And the third is that he is the light of the world. And you know, here at the Vineyard, our prayer for, you, for every single one of us, every single one of you, if you're just visiting, passing through, is that in some sense, for this, for this Christmas, this season, something very unique will happen to you that the light will go on. That there'll be a click, and maybe a bit of a flicker, a hesitant start. Maybe it'll be a bit dim to begin with, but as it, as it warms up, it'll get brighter. Our prayer for you is that you will, to coin a phrase, see the light. That for perhaps the first time this Christmas, and it is so familiar to us, but for the first time, the penny will drop You'll get it. It'll connect. The light will switch on. That actually, God has come to rescue you. Not just the, the good people. Not just the others. Not just the holy Joes. 
but actually he has come to rescue you. As you've struggled with life, and we all have times of, and seasons of struggling, many are struggling at the moment. But as we struggle with life, as we cry out into the dark, God help me, as we yearn and sigh for rescue, suddenly it dawns on us that he has seen us and he stepped into our life to do just that. God has seen you. He is here to rescue you. This summer, Fliss and I, as many of you know, we had the great, great privilege, and thank you, thank you, thank you, God, and thank you, thank you, you guys for letting us do it, going on a sabbatical. Part of that sabbatical was to visit some friends who are, literally live out on the plains of, in America. They're, it's cowboy country. You know, watch any John Wayne film, and you're looking at the very place that we were enjoying. And it was very warm, very sunny, very pleasant, but they were telling us that in the winter, they get a lot of snow there. They'll never get less than four, four, five feet. And in a bad winter, it can be eight feet, ten feet higher, drifts up, up the side of the house. It's really cold. And by now, they'll already be into the snow season. It, it's really inhospitable. What's more, many of these ranches are miles away from the main highway. In fact, where Tri and Nancy, they're the leaders of the Boise Vineyard live where we were staying, they live about 16 miles from the main road. And there are these kind of cinder tracks, which bless their heart, the, the council or the, the, the county, whatever, do, they keep them open because there are, the school buses have to get up there to collect the kids off the ranches. And so they go to an enormous expense to try and keep these tracks open so the kids can get to school. Well, one day, Tri is driving down the 16-mile road to get to the highway to get into work. He's got this four-wheel drive Subaru, and all of a sudden, he goes into a skid. It's going downhill, he cannot stop himself. It is scary. Now, there's always a skid or two, but this one begins to get serious, and actually ends up with Tri going off the, the side of the road. Now, some of these you know, roads are 100, 120 feet up above the valley, Fortunately, this was only, well, I say fortunately, this was, there was a, a small ravine, so he crashed, tumbled, twisted, the, the, the car rolled over 20 or 30 feet down into this stream at the bottom of the, of the ravine there. It was deep snow. He was upside down. He knew he was injured. He'd clearly broken some ribs. He was in a lot of pain, possibly a shoulder too, and he was hanging, cord in his strap upside down. What's more, it's getting dark. And he thinks, oh my God, he tries to reach his, his mobile phone, but he can't get that. He's stuck there, and he gets frightened. At the very least, he's going to die of hypothermia because it's getting dark now. It really is serious. Little did he know that at that moment, and to be honest with you, one car goes along this cinder track every three hours. But little did he know that a logger up in the mountains who had a load of timber he was bringing down had had some problems hitching up his trailer and was two hours late. He was as mad as hell. And so he started off down this thing two hours late. And he's driving down there, going as fast as he dare with all this wood up behind him. And as he's driving down, he suddenly sees something out of the corner of his eye. And do you know what he sees? 
he sees a curious orange glow on the hillside opposite. And this glow is going on, off, on, off, on, off, on. And he thinks, what is that? He can't see a break in the, the hedge or the, 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 the thing. He can't see skid marks. He doesn't see any tangled wreckage. He doesn't see any smoke or anything like that. All he sees is this orange glow. On, off. On, off. On, off. Suddenly, he comes to his senses. There must be something down in the valley. So he pulls up this great big thing on the ice, which is a dangerous thing to do. Pulls up gets out the cab, as dark is falling, wanders over and he peers down into the ravine and sure enough, there's this Subaru four-wheel on its, on its back and it's an indicator light. No headlights, just an indicator light. It's going on, off, on, off, on, off. Well, the rest, as they say, is history. They had to medivac him out. They brought in a helicopter. They flew Try out. He was in hospital for three weeks. It took him a feral while to recover. But the lorry driver saw him and rescued him. You may feel like your life is in the pits at the moment. The prospect for the new year is not good. You may be on the top of the mountain. Everything's going well. In spite of the economy, it's been a crazy year. God bless you. But wherever you are, whatever your station, God has seen you and knows that you need rescuing. And he has come to us to rescue us. He has sent, quite literally, the light of the world to rescue you. The light of the world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's our Christmas gift to you. And the only way we can give it is because he's given it to us to give away. And our prayer is that the light will go on. Let's all stand and pray and have the team come up and just... Finish our time together with a worship song.